Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Reese Show, where we interview experts to help you understand where technology is headed and how it will impact society as a whole and also your daily life. Thanks so much for learning with us and enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Today, I chat with Shruti Gandhi, who is a a founding engineer and a general partner at Array Ventures. And Shruti's great. I mean, she has this amazing data background. And so today we learn about, because a lot of like building this new future for humanity, post-information age into the knowledge age and wisdom age is like understanding how we can take all this massive amount of information and actually make it usable for humans. And so what we learn about from Shruti is kind of the things that she was supporting 10 years ago, the things she's supporting today, they kind of take and aggregate data and provide kind of insights for um, for folks. And so that's kind of what we chat about. And then we also chat about the future and how kind of machine learning is being used and how we're kind of understanding this new future of, uh, especially the, the kind of back, the, it's a reminder of the back of house for all, we think about these big data platforms like, um, you know, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, whatever, social media. But in fact, there's this whole other, you know, Snowflake, Otaka, Atka, I don't know how to say them, a whole set of folks who are the back end, like the AWS for everybody um, that is like, holding and and dealing with data so we kind of dive into that as well so definitely check out this uh, episode with shruti today if you want to learn about how data is being used to generate insights for humanity and also um the kind of back-end infrastructure to power that thanks hello reese's pieces i'm reese the co-founder of root and welcome to the reese show this century is a turning point in human history and i'm here to help you navigate it I hope you come away with a new understanding of the scientific, technological, and societal trends that are poised to radically reshape our world, and how you can work with those trends to become a live player in building a solar punk future. And today, I'm excited to chat with Shruti Gandhi. Shruti is a general partner and founding engineer at Array Ventures, a venture capital firm that focuses on solving big problems in the world, leveraging big data, AI, and ML. Shruti, thanks for being on the show and welcome. Excited to be here. Yeah, excited to chat. Um, and there's a couple, I mean, so I, I hit up Shruti initially because she has this amazing, on Twitter, like her, her um, she's doing an awesome like building in public thing where her title on Twitter is just like, hey, I'm Shruti, invest 500K to 1.5 million in angel rounds. And it's like, that's just such a great, you just like, you know what you're getting. And I just love that. So thank you for doing that. And I hope that is a thing that other folks do. Um, the way I want to start Shruti actually is like, you know, so the story we're going to be telling for the listeners is just like, okay, how, what has the world of AI and ML and, and big data look like, you know, for the last kind of 10 years, then what will it look like going into the future? Um, but before doing that, Shruti, I want to ask you a, um, a kind of a more kind of personal question, which is like, what, um, what made you kind of find your fire and, and what made you like curious and motivated to like go do things in the world? <laughs> That's a funny question. <laughs> Let's see, where do I start? I don't think you can create fire in people. I think I think there are areas that people have fire around. Um, and I think you have to find those areas. Uh, somewhere along the lines, I think I found my fire to make that change in the world uh, in the areas of, you know, technology, but woman-led technology or, um, you know, creating an impact by doing things with people from, you know, that have my background, which is immigrant, minority, uh, people who just never felt empowered to just 
have a role model to do things. So when I found that gap and I found that that was missing, I said, why couldn't it be me? That makes me wake up every morning and to do what I do. Luckily, my last name comes with a message. The famous Gandhi has once said, my life is my message. And so I lead with that example for my own life. And I want my life to be a message for people who look at me and say, I can do this. She can, I can. That's awesome. I think there's a, um, uh, that's a great, my life is my message is such a good way that one should live one's life. It's just like, look, I walked the, I talked, I walked the talk, you know, and like, you just like, look at what I've done. And like, I try to do it. And it's also cool for you, as you said, it's like, man, just having a reality that exists where, you know, women folks and folks from, you know, uh, India and Southeast Asia, where they like kind of look and they're like, oh, Shruti's out there. She's doing awesome stuff. And then you're also kind of like game recognizes game. You're like more able to be like, you kind of went through it yourself and you see like, okay, great. Like here's these other folks who may be traditionally marginalized or whatever, but you can like kind of help them and push them and, and, and highlight them and, and resonate with them. Um, that's great. And I also agree with what you're saying about the fire is not found or the, the fire is not created. It is found. Um, is, was there a time for you, by the way, was there like a moment where you were like, oh man, like this is what I want to like, did that, did that spark happen somehow? And I'm also, by the way, I'm, I'm just asking this um, kind of uh, selfishly because I'm trying to within myself find how to create, co-create my own or discover my own fire. So just curious how it happened for you. I think the fire is a series of events. So growing up, I saw my dad start companies and I just assumed that's what everyone does. I never had people around me that had so, you know, quote unquote, corporate jobs, um, nine to five, whatever it was. It was just, you wake up, you did your work and, you know, you live and breathe it. Um, and you have the flexibility, even though it's a, it it's kind of, we can get into that another time. It's not a real flexibility, but it is more flexible than working for some other people. So I just thought that's what you do. So at some point, like every decision in my life, especially after I graduated college, that's when your decisions start happening, right? Like your real life decisions start happening. I was like, this is so I can build a company. This is so I can build a company. One day I built a company um, and I was like, man, I suck at it. <laughs> So the series, then after that was like, how do I get better at building venture-backed, venture-scale companies? Because what I realized was building companies just for the sake of building companies and doing something is one thing, but building venture-scale, venture-backed companies is a whole ballpark that not many people know about. So that's the other curiosity from there kind of led me into that journey. Once I got into that, I realized, wow, I could be like this, you know, almost like a, a person that can be like a whisperer that brings all this knowledge to people like me. Uh, like, so, it, it, you know, I almost wanted to be like my own helper <laughs> of my past truthy, right? If that makes any sense. Um so I said, let's, you know, let's get into this business and help people like me who didn't have, who had the talent, technical talent skills, but didn't know what to do with that to make it into a, you know, multi-billion dollar business. Um, so that's kind of like why I wake up and I go, okay, who can I help today? And how can they be successful um, just with like a little nudge from my end, right? Like I'm not saying I can like pick up anyone from the street and make them 
you know, like I'm not making them like overnight success. That's not, I'm not that good. But what I'm good at is finding people who just need a little nudge, little doors that I can open for them um, that can have like tremendous impact on on their trajectory. So that's yeah, what I, I love do. that. That's great. It's just cool. I mean, I think it's, it's also cool that like you're kind of with your dad, you're kind of built in this mindset. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Like whatever I'm doing, it's like so that I can build a company so that I can build it. And then obviously, and then, you know, experiencing the like weight of um, just venture back startups, which are like the growth is crazy and all these things are crazy. It's like, oh my Lord. And so like being someone who can, and I love the helping your past self. That's like what, that's definitely also the framing that I take when I think about helping young people. It's like, hey, random young person, I did this like 10 years later than I should have. So like, here's like what you just like, get a Twitter or whatever. Um, yeah, and so, exactly. <laughs> um, and then I love also, it's it's a funny because there's like the meme, the, the anti-VC meme of how can I help, but there's the pro-VC meme, you know, the um, positive uh, connotation version, which is you're, you just, you want to help out, you know? And so you're just like looking to help folks and nudge them and open doors and give them capital and resources and emotional help, whatever it may be to kind of like um, go them on the journey. So that makes a lot of sense. Let's, let's dive into some of the specific things that you are um uh that you've worked on in the past and i guess specifically maybe i want to ask um so you started array ventures roughly in 2016 it seems so like six ish years ago um and with a 13 million dollar fund how um tell me about some of the excite exciting things and exciting what your thesis was what the exciting ai ml big data stuff you were looking at at the time what were you kind of diving into at at the start of the fund so my background has been in big data, data analytics for, you know, called to different things at different times for dec- two decades now. Um, when I was starting the fund, I realized that there's going to be an explosion, even more so than what it was, of data, data stack. Um, and there is not enough infrastructure out there to be able to handle that explosion. So that is exactly what I invest in. I still invest in that. Um it's industry agnostic. We solve different big problems for different industries. Uh, it's B2B. Ultimately, there's no company that doesn't take advantage of data today. So it's like, you know, it's like talking about it is also in some ways old fashioned because <laughs> I, you know, there is everything, any company that just doesn't take advantage of data is a shell, like in some ways, right? Like, um, and there is no long-term edge. Uh, because you're not learning, you're not, you know, personalizing, whatever it is. Um, so that when that when I was starting out that fund, the array, which is where I am right now still, but uh, I, I kind of realized that for me to help other people, um, I can help in the areas I know best, which is data. Um, and having been an engineer in that category for a decade before, uh, I just knew kind of like what was needed at the time and what did I want to solve in the enterprise world. So that's what the fund thesis has been. And that's what I, I invest in. Yeah, that's cool. It's, um, yeah, it reminds me of, uh, in the Microsoft, um, no, sorry, the, the, um, getting my, I'm getting my GAFA companies confused. Um, (laughs) 
I think in the um, or my Gmail feed coming soon. In either the either the Google or Microsoft keynote, they're talking about the data imperative, which is kind of very similar to what you're talking about. Which is like, yeah, obviously you need to be doing, um, yeah, very, you, you're you can either be a shell of a company or you can kind of like incorporate uh, data into your into your pipeline. And I also I love the fact that your title is still kind of founding engineer because that's a really good. All the crypto orgs that I, you know, um, and all the crypto VCs that I operate with, it's like they all their teams are like half technical people, you know, because just like having the technical folks, even at the VC level is extremely helpful because then you're like, look, OK, cool. It's like chat tech stuff. Um, and so that's that's great. Tell me about and the industry agnostic stuff is really interesting um and maybe in, and for me as a kind of a an outsider looking in and i look at this and it's funny it's like there's this there's cybersecurity, healthcare you know um customer tech market tech you know autonomous vehicles robotic like green tech there's like literally so many things and so maybe could you tell us about um some of the and maybe just starting with um you know some of these companies that were uh, that either have exited or something like that like what they were building how they leveraged data what that looked like kind of on the on the technical back end uh, yeah, we'll talk about a company called Placer that's in our portfolio. That was what my master's thesis was, analyzing data uh, and understanding location information. Uh, it's kind of like ubiquitous right now, but at that time, it was a new concept over a decade plus ago. But when I invested in Placer uh, about you know five or six years ago, it was a similar trajectory, which is taking advantage of your data, location data, to make meaning of it. And we call it foot traffic inside. So um, what they do is they, they take millions and millions of data sets, uh, data points on a person and marry them real time. So then they can give you insights on things like, well, how long were you at this mall? Um, what, you know, Where did you come from to shop at this Costco? Are you uh, living in this town or are you visiting from other town? Are most of your users coming from out of town or are they, you know, they had similar projects for like some casinos, for example, like when people come to gamble at Reno, are they coming from, I don't know, like, you know, are they the same audience as Vegas or is it a different audience, right? Like it's like interesting information for corporations, but cities to plan, they, they work with certain um, cities on planning their infrastructure, um, right? Like, so there is, Lots of use cases um, that is amazing for you to, you know, to for you to kind of learn from. Um, and, you know, during COVID, they were able to kind of predict beforehand the the spread of of COVID in certain geographies based on the movement of people which was so cool. At that time, we were all like drinking from a fire hose, right? So it was really valuable. So they could tell you with data that Costco was actually running out of supplies instead of us kind of just assuming that. Um, so yeah, that was, that was, that's what the company does. And they do that in real time. So like you can go to their website, placer.ai, you go to their dashboard and they're able to then give you info for free. And so I think, as a, as just like as a fun nerd, I think I like playing around things from that perspective as well. Um, and if you're in like real estate and if you're buying properties, it's like a no brainer for you to just try it out for free. Just see what's happening on your on the block. Right. Just getting getting you information is so valuable. So that's a use of data that I had expected. And by the way, it's not like user level. Right. It's not like Shruti is doing this. It's like just mass data movement stuff. 
um, when I was doing that, I was like, oh, that would be so cool for a pandemic planning. And I had no idea what pandemic really meant at the time. Um, outbreak, right? Like stuff I was working on years ago. Uh, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> amazing. Maybe this will be helpful. And it was like, oh my God, this was helpful. Um, yeah. And I'm I looking mean, at the website. I didn't know what pandemic was. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of knew, but like not at the scale we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um, so that's, and, and this is the exact kind of stuff that I think is really actually um, amazing just for me to kind of get your, your brain on. Cause you've, you've obviously gone deep on these things for a really long time. So just kind of like hearing about it and seeing it is, makes a lot of sense. So there's Placer and I'm, I'm on their website now. And what they do is they, yeah, they take, um, you know, as you call it, the um, foot traffic insights, you know, um, c- consumer foot traffic. Um, and then you can kind of take that and say, oh, okay, great. Uh, in a pandemic, either, um, you know, how many people are actually at Costco or, you know, if you are a person who, you know, who owns a restaurant or whatever it might be, a big mall or something, and you're like, great, who are, where are these people coming from? Are they travelers? Are they visitors? Whatever. Is it a, how do they, do they tap into, um, how does it, how does it work behind the hood in terms of like, are they, cause it's on, do they have connections to phones somehow to like no. cookies somehow? How do you, how do they know? No. Yeah. No, they're just getting data from lots of places. Okay, and data from okay, interesting. So they're like a uh, data aggregator. Are they getting in my mind, my simpleton mind? Like, are they getting data from Google or you know, like, um, like Google Maps stuff? Like, I'm imagining no, ways. No, Google doesn't like- really like. It's like what Google would do, but Google does it in different way. Yeah, they get it from other data sets. Like okay, many many apps use your location. Uh, great. They don't great, right. Great. Like so, they're just kind of working with a lot of these people. Uh, there's great. You and I wouldn't want it, but there's like a lot. We give our data easily to so many places with consent. And so they are taking advantage of that data there, but they're not, they're not on your phone like that now. Yeah, yeah, great. And, and mine's mine's less of a and the, like the privacy. Like the, I mean, for me, mostly I'm like not too much of a. I mean, of a privacy. Um, I've been to privacy, but yeah, no, it it it, it it's interesting. Yeah, so it's like yeah, but there's all these apps on our phone. All those apps are um, they have, and I forget yeah that the the IDs that are um in the background, and that those things were given consent, and then that those that data exists at the app level, and then it kind of gets aggregated at the placer.ai level um, to say like, okay, great, where um again not from a personal perspective, from a, a kind of a macro perspective where are these um folks and what are they moving to and all it's kind of so you kind of get a a macro level view of just like the movement of people in the world um so that makes a lot of sense um i would love to just keep on like hitting up some of these various um uh do you want to give me another example of like another kind of um data org and how one of the people that you guys have supported that you want to chat about um Let's see, which one uh, can I talk about right now? There's another company called Cast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a more business use case, but you know, there it's an interesting use case. Like you have growing number of customers today, and the world is moving towards more smaller and smaller customer base. Um, and the, so, what happens is they you know, like before it was like large customers, right? Like you could get two customers and they are very large and that's what a startup was excited about. Now it's like many, many small customers, um, small businesses, but also small contract sizes. But they, you know, you kind of sometimes don't even talk to them. You sign them up on your website and the ability to talk to your customers is gone down. 
So you go sign up for Dropbox and no one knows who you are, right? Triangulating and then you cancel your account tomorrow and no one knows why you canceled. So the ability to to connect with Reeves or Shruti has gone down from that perspective. And this is a consumer, you know, example, but that's happening even in enterprise, right? Like a business, you go sign up for Slack, but like I can cancel it. And still like no one's selling me Slack today. Um, so with that in mind, what cast, um, the website is cast.app. Just cast it. Yep. does is basically takes the data off your user. Uh, so they take advantage, uh, like off the user, like, you know, who signed up for Slack or whatever. And um, then kind of gives you analytics um, in different form, shape and form as a business owner. So it tells you um, Slack, so-and-so, you know, or used you know, so-and-so product for so long. Um, they use, they spend so much time, whatever was relevant. doesn't matter what the data is. It's what the business defines is important, but they highlight that daily, weekly, whatever matters to you auto, in an automated way. Um, they, cons- they give it to you in bite-sized info because you could access that on a spreadsheet today in some ways, but running those reports and then synthesizing that is is hard so what these guys do it is create like a bite-sized info that you can then share on whatsapp quickly or and it's auto-generated using using ai um mm-hmm. so that's what this company does and it is uh yeah and so that's taking advantage of data very differently and surfacing information to a business user for them to act on in the right possible way Okay, cool. Interesting. And so it's like, um, I'm just looking at the site now. I'm looking at something like, I don't, I don't actually know them, but like something like success coaching. So it's like a coaching org that is, um, and they're trying to understand, okay, who are our clients, those kind of things. And so you can kind of like, um, you can pull the data of like, hey, who person with this email? Who is this person? Like they were, um, they were in Slack at this time. They had done this in this way. And so you kind of get like um, almost like a history of their SaaS application or something. Is that kind of roughly? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, and, and so you're like, great, here's, here's like who they are, what they pay for. It's like, oh, here's, here's Reese, you know, Reese is a cheap guy. He doesn't really like pay for SAS, anything, whatever. Oh, here's Shruti. Oh, Shruti spends a lot on SAS or, or she's into, into these things. And so you can kind of like differentiate and then kind of target it's or do mostly whatever. Based, it's like very technical. It's not like behavioral info. It's not trying to like get into your brain to do anything like, mm-hmm. oh, prediction. It's more just a business user and what they're doing to give you a sense of, you know, how to keep you happy because in the old world there was a relationship between a buyer and a seller the buyer wasn't buying anything unless they were like wine and dine right Mm -hmm. today you find the product and you say i'm going to just try it on my own i'm not going to talk to you and so then that relation and then you one fine day also churn um and that's hard to figure out why as well so that's why the business user kind of gets an insight into your behavior of usage not like behavior as a as a social study got it yeah yeah no but that's interesting because i think there's a cool um it's an interesting piece where it's like yeah the old world versus new world and like yeah and there's like when we have and i forget the average company has like i like i mean it depends on what size you know the average tech company has like 70 um SaaS applications you know and um right. and SaaS subscriptions and so it's like okay cool how can we 
kind of aggregate and, and and then in a good way it's like how can we instead of just everybody at sears or whatever and sears own the relationships like okay there's across all these different platforms how can like there still be a textured view of the customer um underlying that to be like who are they you know what kind of behavior do they do what kind of how can we help them um within our SaaS application given these other SaaS applications that they've had um great so that th- those are both two good examples and i guess i want to ask a like maybe a synthesizing question here which is when you think about you know, if the first application, um, if the uh, placer.ai is something that um, aggregates data from uh, different apps, location data that then can show you, um, you know, people's movement and behavior and like, you know, new, old, otherwise for kind of like IRL, um, geo-based stuff. The other one, Scale is more like, or sorry, Cast App is more like um, something that does, it does a similar kind of aggregation process among different uh, customers from SaaS applications to, to let you know, okay, cool, this new SaaS customer might have, um, we can help them in these ways. Is there kind of a, so in some ways they're two like aggregative platforms. Are there kind of other synthesizing things as you think about and look for opportunities in the kind of data AI ML space, what kinds of like, um, what, what is like the core patterns that are underneath these like these applications that you're looking at? Honestly, it's the data in motion and how, Who's creating data? It's following that, right? Like who's creating the data? Where is it going? What's the path? What's the security around it? Um, it's a journey that you need to follow for a data platform. That is what we fund. So we have companies that do behind the scene infrastructure, um, you know, data pipelines that enable a lot of this. It's a company called Mozart Data, um, right? Like, but, so it's, what any different pieces of the journey we talked about right now, we enable, and that's what we need to fund in the in this world. And some of it is infrastructure, backend, supportive tech, and some of it is more application layer, which is like the placer and the cast and the, and many others that we funded. So we we do both. Great, great, great. Yes, we got. So there's like um. Yeah, the, the deeper infrastructure, something like Mozart, and then the um, and then the application layer are these folks that are taking some of those and are and are um, accessing these kind of data pipelines in order to um, create user facing or you know B two B or B two C applications. Okay, we I think that makes don't sense. care if it's Web two, Web three, whatever, Web N, Web X. <laughs> um, <laughs> it so we you know it, it it to us we have we have companies in the data world also in the Web three world. So to us it. It is, we're almost as agnostic into what universe this, you know, it's almost like you need this in every universe. You need data to work and talk to each other in every universe. So we, we, oh, we invest in every, every category that way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think a lot of the, the, the web three data stuff, ceramic graph protocol, et cetera, those are, um, yeah, they just do it in a more, um, they create incentivized networks, you know, that do the kind of data indexing or data kind of creation processes, um, that maybe in the past a like a traditional single org would have done that kind of um, that back end work. So, so what do you think about kind of thinking about? Okay, so I get a, a rough vibe for what this looks like, and and um, and the kinds of data applications that you're looking for. Um, how do you see? Well, I guess one question that does come to mind that we've kind of been talking around is like the 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 kind of privacy and security question. Um, it feels like to me there's kind of this. Um, 
you know, whenever you say the words privacy or secure, everybody's like, oh, like I want to like hold my data for myself or whatever. But uh, but in actuality, there's it's just like massive, massive amounts of data on everybody on the internet all the time. And so I'm curious how you as a kind of investor in the space think about um, you know, data privacy and data security as you're as you're trying to make data kind of transparent so that we can drive personalization and outcomes while also making it not transparent to drive kind of you know security and privacy. So how do you, how do you think about that tension? Um, yeah, uh, we have. There's nothing other than to think about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You need privacy and security because there. The the thing I learned early on in my career was what what can be. That was cool. It's like, oh, what if we do all this and I just shared all my data and I just, people just knew where I was and we could just all hang out. And that was like innovation was born and a lot of location-based stuff I worked on was born. And then, and then I started becoming, learning about bad actors and what they do. Um, Yeah. So I think that's when I started realizing you need both. There are people who, you know, even if they don't want it, end up doing a lot, unfortunately, um, bad behavior is out there and we have to protect from that as well. So while while data gets aggregated and, and it's all good, there's also single point of failure worries. And there's also, you know, I have to think about if I like I'm aggregating data from all these places to bring intelligence, it can, I'm making it easy for someone else to access it to then go some, do something bad about it. So, yeah. And even if the app didn't want to kind of find information about recent Shruti, I hope they don't, they're not saving that for someone to access it. So that's, we want to make sure that you don't store PII information, social security numbers. And so there's like series of companies that are formed around it from that perspective to be able to then make sure we're not doing anything bad. Um, and so we're creating innovation, but also protecting our identities, uh, you know, and many other things around it. Yeah, that's interesting. Is, is there a, um, what I'm hearing there is, yeah, it's like you, the data, the aggregation is good, but then you have, and then you can drive intelligence that like might make me happier and help me use insight timer and meditate more or whatever. Or you can have the um, aggregation that drives um, uh, non-intelligence where it's, you know, a thing that's kind of used as a bad actor against me to, you know, make me um, scroll on TikTok longer or something. Um, is there a, and is there a, is there an org, you're saying that there are so at one of these like large or, you know, or any of these companies that, that, that are in your portfolio, do they kind of, for PII, for personally identifying information, like social security number or birthday or whatever, do they kind of, they, do they like, do they like hide that in a certain, I'm reminded of for me, my first, um, <laughs> my first startup um, 10 years ago, we had, um, we just stored our um, passwords in plain text in our AWS database, you know, it was like, oh, yeah. it was like bad, we you know, all that, yeah. <laughs> so how yeah. do, how do people how, how do people do it today with PII? Like, what are you supposed to do, and how do they do that? You're not supposed to store it, right? Like, that's yeah. the thing. Um, and if you do, it's encrypted. Um, yeah. Or it's like not searchable. Um, so it's just like there's many ways around it. Um, but sometimes it's like you have to recognize that this is sensitive data, right? And that on itself is a challenge sometimes. So yeah. there's so much to be done there. Yeah. But those three things make sense to me. It's like you either cannot store it 
you can encrypt it or you can make it not searchable. So those are all good ways. Um, I have a question here, which is like, I think from a, from a general perspective, so, so what, what both I and what um, a lot of society hear about from a data perspective is, you know, you know, big data companies like Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, TikTok, whatever that have done this, you know, they've aggregated. I love that you put TikTok in that same category oh, yeah. now. Oh, definitely. Oh, I, you, ha- you would be, have to be crazy to not put them in that category. I don't know what, the, I don't know. Actually, you know, it's funny that is, that might be correct. There's like, there's GAFA, you know, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, there's G Mafia, which adds in, um, uh, it's, it's the same Microsoft. four letters. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Microsoft and Intel, I think. Um, and then, um, there's a version of that, that, oh, G Mafia. There's a version that includes Netflix. There's a version of, well, that didn't go too well, but it is funny because I wonder if TikTok from just like a market cap perspective, whether it's actually, um, uh, whether it would be the current valuation, blah, 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 200, somewhere between 50 and 250 billion for ByteDance, um, but it drops below 300 billion. So I, th- I would put them in that category. Um, in yeah, you of- would because they're actually building out retail now. Do you know that? That makes sense. No, what, tell me more about that. vertically integrating it to everything. Like, so now you watch someone, I don't know, do this outfit changes and they know that. And then they're selling you the outfit <laughs> and they have it stored, you know, somewhere very close to us. <laughs> totally, totally. So it's the crazy integration. Like you're just thinking you're watching some cute people put dances together. You know what I mean? Like, so it's data can be scary. Um, and yeah, and then that's the, that's the bad actor thing too. Like, well, fine. Okay. It's, it's all well and good. You're like, oh, Instagram is so cool. Like it gives me the perfect ads I need to buy every product I like, like all the ads are so perfect. But at the same time, you know, there's something there that can be done that has ill intent. I don't know. So yeah, it's yeah, it's just back into like the consumerist uh, kind of lifestyle. It's like, oh, do you need all these ads? Can we make a different version well, of reality? Different, yeah. That's <laughs> kind of like you know SaaS based instead of uh, advertising based. So in any case, the question I was going to ask you though is like, I think lots of society, myself to some extent, think of these massive, um, you know, GAFA plus TikTok as these um, huge platforms that have that are in the attention economy that have aggregated tons of data that know quote unquote a lot about us. Um, and social dilemma kind of things. But 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 there's also this um, other side of, you know, the kind of bottom-up data-ness that you're talking about that you invest in, um, aggregating data, all of that stuff. Is there, what are some of the winners um, that are not at the GAFA size, but are in this kind of like back of house? I'm imagining something like like um, is Snowflake, the name? like some of those things that are just like big data. Who's Who are the like publicly traded companies that do stuff with data? <laughs> It's like the most idiotic question that do data things um, that aren't as small as ones you're talking about, but are not gaffa sized. Tell us about some of those. Mm, you have Snowflake, Okta, um, Twilio, you, yeah. you know, um, Segment, Databricks. Mm-hmm. There, these are not some. Not all of them are public, but they're pretty big. Yeah. Uh, Tableau. Yeah. Uh, and let me let me pause you for a second there, which that's amazing. Exactly, you your ability to name all of those is is <laughs> so why I'm asking you this question. So what what makes those? Where do they fall in terms of the um the the stack? And and I know that they're almost certainly at the some of them at the infrastructure layer, some of them are at the consumer facing layer. And then how they're existing? How are they trying to both fight against GAFA and also how are they trying to like 
um, work with or, or, or compete against these like emerging startups? They're, I mean, they're at the same level as GAFA or whatever, right? Like Splunk and many others. It's just, you don't know about them because they're behind the scenes. Um, so they're not consumer data startups. What you're talking about are like consumer data startups mm-hmm. or companies. Um, what these companies do is like those companies are enabled sometimes by like the Splunks of the world, which is a big data company, right? Like, um, but a good example is like even with these big companies, you would think that they're ahead of the trend because they have the money and the cash and but it's not possible. Someone said today, like the infrastructure and the tech stack for um, like Instagram even is so behind TikTok, ByteDance, that ByteDance can do something every few seconds versus Instagram does it like every five minutes. So there is so much more rich information on you for ByteDance, which is why they're able to currently integrate do vertical integration on so many fronts, and now soon you're going to start seeing some crazy um, personalization from them towards you. That's like their whole next stage of business model. Versus Instagram is good enough, but it's going to fall behind very fast. Um, and the ability to have a new tech stack for these companies is just impossible. Like you're not going to rip out your database overnight. Um, and so to be able to handle that is, is what a new company offers. And so there's going to be a new Instagram. There's going to be a new something where like, that's like probably TikTok, right? Like, but being able, that's more consumer examples, but now take that to enterprise. It's a similar thing. There is going to be a new Splunk. There is going to be a new email security fraud detection company because, you know, what about like they're the current emails, Fraud detection companies are not good at detecting fake emails um, and like bot generated stuff and AI stuff, right? Like, so there's so much, it's just what we create and we all, we have to stay ahead of that and catch up with that. Yeah, no, I love that. I think it's, I, that makes a lot of sense where it's like, it's a classic to some extent. I'm reminded of the um, MySpace versus, uh, uh, I figured, yeah, MySpace versus Facebook or was Friendster versus Facebook? I think Friendster, it was MySpace. Well, it was MySpace and Facebook. And, and specific, and, and and that specifically MySpace. I think one of them. I think MySpace was the one where they're like their back end was just crap. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like you know you can as we go further and get better new technologies, GraphQL, yeah. etc. That we're going to be using. Right. Um, we're going to be uh, yeah using. And, it, and it's also you talking about the reminding me that I'm like blah 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 Gaffa. Those are just consumer facing things. But actually, just a reminder that all the back end, all the B two B. What is the kind of AWS? The like. AWS environment of like, yes. oh, here's all this other stuff. So just like, that's the, right. the the thing to try to ingest in your mind and understand. It's like all the backend data stuff that's working in order to power the rest. So that's that's a good reminder. Let me ask you another question here, which is, do you think, um, you know, as as we've kind of gone more and more into the the future here, you know, the current state of AI and ML, and I'm curious, you know, earlier you were chatting about um, how CASAP uses um, AI or ML. Tell me a little bit more about how you're seeing um, artificial intelligence used within kind of data applications, either to support them or as like as like. 
Sorry, you got cut out for a second. What's the question? The question is like, um, <laughs> the question generally is just like AI, but more specifically, it is um, how is artificial intelligence being used to either support these uh, some of the startups that you're you're working with, or as kind of an output of how do how do the startups that you're working with like provide infrastructure for AI? Oh, um. It's basic. I say we invest in AI machine learning, but we don't say that because you can't do that without data. There is no AI ML today without data. And so when you do a data and when you enable data, that's when you can then apply AI ML on top of that data. So that's, that's the simple answer. Yeah. And is there... Is there like some, like, for example, like cast app or whatever, like how are they using, um, and you think about like, you know, just smaller data sets and so, like, how are, how are some of the, your example companies like using AI or ML for their, um, for their, orgs? they're gener- they're training it elsewhere on different data, and then they're plugging it on small data sets to be able to then auto-generate, as I said, um, the voice or reports or right. Like that's what cast will do, um, so yeah, I think um, Placer will use data differently. Um, they their AI from a perspective of being able to process a lot of this offline, so that you can get data real time without a lag. Um, and all the AI is like what we talked about, which is the analytics behind knowing things around. You know how much, how complicated it is to understand like where people are coming from, where are they going? And that's not one-on-one. It's like many, many, many layers of data points coming together. So that's the AI there. Cool. It's Both more of like those, so, learning. Yeah. That, the ML there, that makes it, that, that's great to, I mean, so yeah, it's like for the, um, the cast app folks, and it, it reminds me of a friend I was chatting with last night who was talking about how there's a, um, yeah, they, there's some kind of, um, you know, model that is being not necessarily a foundational model, but some kind of core model that's being trained elsewhere. And, and, and my friend was talking about how they're kind of automating lots of uh, kind of rote paper tasks and they do it by they have a model and then that model gets fine tuned for different customers. Where it's like, oh, here yeah. in comes the customer and we're going to right. fine tune exactly. it. And then, yeah. Well, because there's a movement in enterprise where businesses are impatient too. They're like, well, I want AI to work, machine learning to work, but like, I don't want to give you my data. So what can you do without that? Um, so, yeah, I think it's like there's a very difference. Once they get comfortable with you, then they may maybe there's a different partnership. But yeah, at the end of the day, that's what it is. That makes sense. It's kind of a funny, yeah, it's like, yeah, and you, and you try to do some combination of both aggregation, either at the intense GAFA level or, you know, um, snowflake level or at the kind of, less intense, but still very much in the background. This is like aggregation of all these kind of placer AI data things. And then you kind of have this data aggregation that you can run models on. And then, and then you do the fine tuning with the different kind of sub pieces, um, customers and things like that. Um, so that makes sense. And then, yeah, as you said, obviously the ML side for someone like um, uh, placer is like, yeah, okay. How do we actually determine that Reese is, is lives in San Francisco? Well, it's like you, it, like you can do that for me, it might be easy because like 90% of my data points are here or whatever, but for someone else, it's like, oh, where do they actually, what's actually happening here? And you can, um, the uh, ML can kind of, you can be in feedback loop with it around uh, training it to uh, look at 
the um yeah to, to kind of model and tag the, the, the right things at the right time okay cool yeah. so this is great let me ask you another question sure to you going forward into the future now how do you like you know we're talking the next five to ten years what um what are you excited by whether it's um new ml techniques new languages new customer segments new market opportunities what are you like looking at and excited by um i'm excited about smart people wanting to do some different things and me being able to open those doors for them um i think there are thesis and areas we like to invest in and it's always going to come up it's always going to be the next gen of what i said the, the data frontier things but it's more about who does it and why they're doing it and how can i be part of their journey yeah yeah. So you, um, uh, yeah, it's a, a person focused, um, you know, it's less about, I was looking for like, tell me about the machine learning, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, it's about the people. Um, do you, um, maybe let me double click on a question there is, do you, um, you know, how do you, what, what do you look for in, in founders and how do you like to support them? Um, what I look for is what I said before. It's the first, my life is my message stuff, right? Like, which is, I want people technical enough who are out there saying, look, if I solve for this, we can make this amazing technical innovation happen. And you go there and you say, well, that's awesome. But like, how are you going to get customers? How are you going to go sell it? What price point is it? How fast are you going to go do it? What do you need to build? How are you going to prioritize what you build? Like, those are lots of, I just like, quickly shared some questions that most of our founders face in the first few months and year, first year of their business. So that's where we help. And our value add is helping you. And I can do that because I was technical before. And now I've been on the other side as well, where I've seen many other successful businesses launch and get to new levels and head exits. So from bringing all that together, I can come back and say like, yes, I want this to be solved as well in the world and we want to build this together. But like day zero is this and day one is this and this is what you need the infrastructure for and this is what you need to set up for and this is how the team needs to look like and this is what you can hire for. Um, one step at a time is what I help with. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, because each each new stage has a different part of the journey that you need to be uh, prepared for. Um, yeah. Okay. As a final wrap, then let's, let, I want to ask you a couple of overrated underrated um, where I just say a thing and then you tell me whether you think it's overrated or underrated and you spend, you know, uh, you know, 30 seconds on, on, on kind of a quick, a quick why. Um, so do you think that, do you think that the, this is kind of a very specific question, but do you think that the transformer <laughs> machine learning architecture is overrated or underrated? underrated i mean it's like needs to it can do so much more and it's just the beginning yeah yeah, yeah i agree it is the beginning and it's um it is yeah yeah i guess it's um yeah all these things i love because they're all different different per people's perspectives on um uh if you're deep in it you're like oh my god transformers are amazing you're like it's overrated but obviously if you're a person from the outside of you it's like oh my god this is underrated um maybe one other just quick one is yeah it sounds like um, yeah, do you think that ByteDance uh, and TikTok is overrated or underrated? I don't know what that means, but it's like underrated too because the amount of damage they're going to do to you is going to be more than Facebook soon. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. As I said, it's right now cutesy because like the number of people I know today that are not on Facebook but are on TikTok because they think it's not a social network and it's just 
cued and I do what I want in my own world, you know, um, but they don't know what is going to come their way because of it. Yeah, and, totally. And it's so hard to even imagine it because it is social network. It's like even more, it's not just from your friend, friend influencer. It's like the world influencing you and creating you a bubble around you now because it's giving you exactly what you want now. Yeah. Yeah. The for you feed as a kind of a not person, like it didn't, it wasn't built on your social graph. It was built on the AI being trained on you. So that's yeah, a very powerful, uh, powerful thing. Um, beautiful. Well, Shruti, thank you so much for um, taking the time to chat today and for helping me and the listeners kind of understand uh, the world of, of data and motion and data pipelines and all these uh, cool data things that you're investing in. And also just, you know, perspective on like empowering, you know, women and, um, and, and kind of diverse founders. So that's great. Um, if you want to check out Shruti's um, uh, on Twitter, she's at Shruti, A-T-S-H-R-U-T-I on Twitter. Um, and then you can also go to Array.vc um, if you're kind of, they invest in, you know, these angel round kind of million dollar, you know, pre-seed um, you know, startups. And uh, yeah, and check them out if you're a young, ambitious founder who's excited to, to, to build in this space. Or do you want to say anything else uh, for our listeners today? If you're building something cool or if you're thinking about building something cool, uh, you know, if you're an engineer and you feel like you want to understand how can this be a big business, um, yeah, contact me. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Yeah, great. Hit her up. Um, With that, thank you so much again, Shruti, and goodbye, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. If you like the show, please give us a five-star podcast review or subscribe on YouTube. And if you'd like to chat about this episode with a community of amazing, smart, ambitious, divergent people, come on by and join our Discord. You can find it at root.co. That's R-O-O-T-E dot co. And then finally, if you'd like to contribute to these ideas being shared more widely in society, you can support the podcast production team at patreon.com slash Lindmark. That's patreon.com slash R-H-Y-S-L-I-N-D-M-A-R-K. Thank you so much.